God's greatest gift to humanity. You know, I remember growing up when I was still young. My mom bought us, uh, what do they call it? Is it Kolo? You know, this save. Kolo, right? So my mom bought us that Kolo. And you know, the Kolo only has one hole. One hole in it. So you cannot be mischievous and try to open it. You know, for some, for some color that has a place you open it, some people will put it in and then they will hide and go and open it and remove the thing. <laughs> Praise God. Now, she bought us those things to train us how to save. So, throughout the whole year, if there's anything that anybody gives to us, any gift that we receive, what do we do? We go and put it inside there. And then she has promised us that at the end of the year, you don't even, you can't open it. So usually what we do is that we'll break it. So at the end of the year, the color will be broken. We'll call it the safe. will be broken. And all the money in it will be counted. And usually what she tells us is that she will not add money to it if it's not enough to buy us a special gift. I can still remember the wristwatch. As I'm speaking to you now, I remember. You know, those kind of things you don't forget. There's one special wristwatch that my mom bought for me from the money I saved. And then she added a little to it and then bought me a wristwatch. And it was one beautiful gift for me. In fact, it was one of the greatest gifts I received then. And I was so happy that I could save something. Hallelujah. Now, those gifts, after a while, few months, either I have spoiled them. <laughs> or they fade away or new ones come and then at the end of the year we are, we are looking for the new gifts praise God now but that is not the same with the gift that Jesus that Jesus represents it's not the same with the gift that God gave us praise God amen so the good news is that we are very excited about the gifts that God, that our, our parents give us, other people give us. But after a while, you find out that this gift, you need another gift. We are going to look at this greatest gift that God has given us this morning. Praise God. Praise God. John chapter 1 from verse 14. I want you to pay attention this morning. The message this morning is for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you touch your chest? Touch your chest. I said the message this morning. Is for me, and I receive it wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Can you get to John chapter 1, verse 14? I'm so excited this morning about what God is going to do in our meeting this morning. Amen. Are you there? John chapter 1, verse 14. Verse 14, yes. John chapter 1, verse 14. If you have New King James Version, okay, that's good. It says, And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, 
full of grace and truth. And the word became what? Flesh. Another translation says, and the word became like us. Another one says, and the word became a human being. And dwelt among us. Hallelujah. The greatest gift that God has given us is Himself. Amen. Himself. He came. Left His throne. Came to us. Brought Himself low. Became like us. So that He can save us. Hallelujah. That's the greatest gift. You know, when people get, you know, mixed up about Jesus, God, Jesus, and, uh, and uh, the Holy Ghost, it's the same. Amen. God became like man in order to win man over. Praise God. Praise God. God became what? Like man in order to win man over. That's the idea. So that you and I can come back to our place. The world became flesh. Now let us look at the history. How did this gift come about? When did it become necessary for this gift to come? Let's take it from the beginning. God wanted a fellowship. God wanted a relationship. So he made Adam and Eve. Right? The Bible said, God said, let us what? Make man in our own image. After our likeness. So, God said, I, I, you know, the heavenlies, the heavenly said, look, we need to create human beings. I need fellowship. I need to relate with people. So, can you see that the main purpose you were created is to have fellowship with God. So, anytime you are not having fellowship with God, you are not fulfilling the reason for your creation. Amen? Now, God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. The Bible said that in the cool of the evening, what happens? What happens? God comes down at the garden and had fellowship with them. So God came and sat with them. So the original plan of God is to always be with man. The original intent of God is to always have relationship, have communion, have fellowship, have communion with man. So in the cool of the evening, God will always come down and had a relationship with man. Had that talk. Amen. Now this was the order of the day. In the garden of Eden. Until something happened. Satan came in. Amen. You can find this in Genesis chapter 3. That it was customary. That God came. And had fellowship. Imagine that for a minute. Imagine that for a minute. That God himself would walk with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve would see the face of God. Face to face. And they would behold the beauty and the glory 
This was a regular thing for them. God was always with them. Having a conversation with them. He created them for that purpose. He made them for that purpose so that he can have that relationship. All of that changed when they rebelled against God by listening to the serpent. The devil came and tricked them and told them, why are you going to listen to God? God doesn't want you to become like him. Are you seeing the problem? He told them, he introduced greed into their life and told them that, why are you, why are you obeying God? Imagine saying, why are you obeying your creator? The one that created it's like biting the finger that fed you. How many of us know that I did? When they say, I'm biting the finger that fed you. He said, me too, now boss now. Amen. Amen. So, that was exactly what happened. Satan came and introduced rebellion. Satan introduced rebellion to Adam and Eve. And told them, you don't need to obey God. You don't need to listen to God. God doesn't want to be like you. God doesn't want you to be like him. And that's why he gave you those instructions. Disobey that instruction and you will see that you will become like God. Imagine. And that greed, that spirit of rebellion rose in Eve. And he saw it. The Bible said that he looked at the tree and saw that it was good. This was the tree that was with them since. And saw that it was good. My anger is not with Eve. My anger is with Adam. Amen. So, they thought that by eating that fruit, they would become powerful. They thought that by eating that fruit, they would become mighty. How many of you have felt like, oh, if I can only get this thing. In fact, this is it. If I can only get this thing. And then the moment you get it, you felt betrayed. You felt like you have been deceived. You feel like, oh my God, it was not worth it. It was not worth all the sacrifice I had to make. Some people would have committed adultery, or some people would have, you know, duped other people, or they, after they got everything, after they had all the fun, whatever. Most times at the end of the day, they look at it and say, was it worth everything I've sacrificed? I'm sure that was how Adam and Eve felt. Was it worth a sacrifice? Was it worth all that they have that they gave up? Because rather than feeling a sense of power and wisdom, they experience alienation. Satan promised them power. Is that not true? See, anything Satan promised you is fake. I tell people before you go and do anything, look at the, the people that have been there for long. How is their life? I'm not talking about people who are still there. I'm talking about people who have been there. If you want to start prostitution, you look at the old prostitutes. Look at the people that the old prostitute has their life. And then you advise yourself. You know, I, I told us a story. One day, I, we went for my, my auntie. One of my aunties lost, um, we lost one of my aunties. So we went for the barrier in the village. And 
So we were uh, we were part of the people helping out with the uh, arrangement of things and all that. So I was with one of my younger brothers. And so we were standing just somewhere. And you look at the crowd. The old women, the old women were on one side. How many of you have gone to all those kind of vocations? So the old women with their uniform on one side. And then the young ladies were on this other side. Looking fresh, looking, you know. And with all their makeups and all that thing. The old women, even if they had their makeup, their makeup were all wrinkled and it was not, the makeup, no, it wasn't making any sense. It wasn't making up anything. <laughs> it was not making up anything. So I stood there and suddenly the Holy Ghost began to speak to me and I called my younger brother. I said, Look at this woman. And look at this young woman. Do you know that years ago, this old woman you are seeing were also like this and even right now they probably will look at this old woman and they will say look at that old woman old woman like you and if you have seen young women telling old women old woman like you curse them and make jests of them and all that but you forgo- you've forgotten that this old woman you are looking at were once like you And I began to tell my younger brother, I said, look, God is trying to teach us wisdom. That we will, we will one day be like this. And the question is, what are we doing now? So that in our old age, we will have a good old age. Amen. Amen. So, when the devil is telling you do this, do that, the best way to approach it is to look at the people that have done it in the and their and what what is their end. That will help you to make a good decision. A lot of things are fast, fast money, fast pleasure. You know we're in a microwave economy or microwave. Period. When everybody wanted fast, nobody wants to struggle with anything again. Everybody just wanted fast. But the question is, if you get it now, what will be your end? Hallelujah. You know, there was something I always tell my wife. I say I want prosperity, but not prosperity that has costs. Amen. No prosperity that has what? That has costs in it. No prosperity with sorrows. Because there are some prosperity that has sorrows. Adam and Eve were promised that they will be powerful if they eat the fruits. But rather than being powerful, they were rejected. Rather than being powerful, they were alienated. Rather than being powerful, they lost their estates. They lost everything that was given to them free of charge. May we not lose what God has given us because of short-term benefits in Jesus' name. I can hear your amen. You will not lose what God has given you for the sake of short-term benefits in the name of Jesus. 
Declare it. I will not lose what God has given me. For short-term benefit. I will not lose what God has given me. For short-term pleasure. In Jesus' name. You know, just like Esau. Esau sold his birthright. For porridge. Sweet porridge. There are a lot of traps in our lives right now. There are a lot of attractions that the enemy said. The essence of it is to take you away from the inheritance that God has given you. The enemy tell you, oh, this is the way in. And when you take that way, you have lost out in the inheritance that God has prepared for you. Don't lose your inheritance for momentary pleasure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alienation from each other. And even more importantly, alienation from God. Instead of running to God, when the Lord came for His daily stroll through the garden, that used to be fun, that used to be a time of fellowship, what did they do? They ran away from God and they went to hide. When your child that always used to welcome you with smile and immediately you come back, the child used to go run and go and hide. You know there is a problem, have you? Adam and Eve now started running away to go and hide. And they got the, the Bible said they sold figs and they covered themselves. Oh no, no. They, they, they hid and it was God now that now sold something to cover them. Hallelujah. When God finally confronted Adam and Eve, about their sin. Something very interesting happened. As the final aspect of his judgment on their sin, God banished Adam and Eve from the garden. Instead of being in the very presence of God that they were that they were supposed to be, rather they were exiled from God and sent away to live at a distance from God himself. God even placed cherubim, angelic beings to prevent Adam and Eve from re-entering the garden. Because God is holy, He could not allow sinful human beings into His presence. So angels had to be put in, 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 in strong angels had to be put in place to prevent Adam and Eve from ever coming back to the garden. But what did the devil promise them? The devil promised them power. Is that not true? Satan promised them to be like God, to be more powerful. But what did they get? They get alienation. Never heed to Satan's promise. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and what? And to destroy. He's a deceiver. Don't let him deceive you. Don't let him lure you into things that you will later regret. Nothing that comes from the devil is clean. In my, in my language, we used to call it the devil's gift. Is when he gives you one, he takes twenty. Anything the devil gives you, don't be happy. Because soon he's coming for it. And he's coming for it in what? The devil does not he does not like losing. So be weary about the devil's gifts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So from that point, I'm just telling us the story. From that point, what happened? Humanity was in darkness. Humanity did not enjoy the presence of God 
which was the real purpose for which God created humans. God created them to have fellowship. God created humans to have communion, to have communion with humans. But because human beings disobeyed God, they were now alienated. All through that time, they were distant from God. So what happened is that occasionally, God will appear to various individuals. Some individuals who have kept themselves, who have separated themselves from the crowd, God will appear to them. That was how God appeared to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses. But when God redeemed the nation of Israel from their slavery in Egypt, He made a covenant with them. As part of the covenant, God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle. Hallelujah. Now, Moses, you see, are you seeing, you see the history now? Now, after they left the presence of God, God was looking for a road in into humanity again. God was looking for a way to reconcile humans with Him. So what did He do? He now, you know, started appearing to individuals. And then when He got to the time of Moses, He now told Moses, you're going to, after he selected a nation, he said, okay, I'm going to choose a nation for myself now. This nation, I'm going to instruct them. I'm going to build them. That was how Israelites came into the picture. Now, the Israelites came into the picture, and God now instructed Moses, say, build an ark, a tabernacle. Not, not an ark, like a tabernacle. Build a tabernacle, a portable tent that they could carry from one place to the other. And in that tent, they will set it up to meet with God. Praise God. When they set that tent up, the Israelites surrounded the, 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 it with makeshift fence and enclosed an area that was 150 feet long by 75 feet wide. The tabernacle itself was 40, 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high. Inside the tabernacle were two distinct sections. The first was called the holy place. We are only the priests. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Where only what? The priests could enter and perform their duties. But at the back of the tabernacle was a second section separated by a thick veil. This second section that was separated by a thick veil was called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place. Inside was the Ark of the Covenant and it was where that it was here that God's descendant in the form of cloud to meet with his people. But the catch was that only the high priest could enter the holies of holies. Hallelujah. And only one day a year, the day of atonement, even then he had to go through elaborate washing rituals and sacrifice to be able to enter into the presence of God. Now look at it. The Israelites set up a tabernacle. God instructed them, okay, in order for me to come back and have a meeting with you guys, eh? set up a tabernacle. Now they set up a tabernacle. A tabernacle is like a temple. Alright? It's like, it's like this place now. Okay? Now, it was splitted. It had the outer court where the people were. The outer court, okay? Then inside the tabernacle, they had two, sp two places. Now the first place was the holy place, right? And then they now had the holy of holies. Alright? Amen? 
So they now have the holies of holies, or we call it the most holy place. Now inside that most holy place, they use cutting. You know, some people do that till today. Some some churches do that till today, or religious. <laughs> so they have cutting. Separated it. Only the high priest was permitted to open that curtain and go inside. And usually when the high priest is going there, they will tie uh, a chain with a bell on his leg. And it will go out. And you know, before the high priest could get into there, there are so many rituals he had to perform. He had to clean himself. He had to make sure he did not touch any, any unclean thing. That will get God angry because if he touches any unclean thing and he gets there, he's gone. So he takes time to separate himself. And then he could enter into that place. And it's only one day in a year. Are you hearing me now? And I want you to get the picture. Only one day in a year that the high priest is permitted to enter that day. And it's called the day of atonement. Alright? So this was how God was now having meeting with the children of God. Before then, it was like every day. It was daily. He had a communion with, the, with Adam and Eve. But because of sin, for many years, God was not with the children, of, with, the, with humanity. And God had created another way to come into, to come into humanity. By creating the tabernacle, and creating the holies of holies and through that the high priest could come in once a year once a year amen so on the one hand it is great that God dwell among his people but this is a far cry from the way it was in Adam and Eve in the garden they were able to walk with God and see him face to face now only one person did you understand? Did you understand the difference now? In that, in the in the in the garden, they were they had a relationship with with their father. They could relate with God one on one. But after they disobeyed, nobody, all the people could not relate with God. It was only once a year, and only one person, only one person was permitted to have access to God. Amen. Once a year, and only one person had that permission in fact the average Israelite could not even enter the holy place you know we had the holy place and the holies of holies right the average Israelite could not enter so most times it was even the priests and the top people who are holy were the ones that were even in the outer court which was the holy place so it was only the high priest among all the priests that could come in. So the majority of the Israelites were actually in the outer court. They couldn't even come in into, into the first place. Hallelujah. So the most of the Israelites were on the outer court. Amen. That's the closest they could get. Which was outside the tabernacle itself. The most they could hope for 
will be to see the cloud of God's presence descending to the tabernacle from a sizable distance. We are a long way from the garden at this place. So this was not the garden of Eden that they experienced. No, it was far from it. It was far from the garden of Eden when God had a relationship with them. Now, hundreds of years later, King Solomon now built what? A temple. Now, he left just the tabernacle. God now said, okay, build me what? A temple. David was going to build it, but God said, David, your hand is filled with blood. You cannot build that for me. Now, God gave Solomon. And Solomon built what? A temple for God. Now, the structure was similar to the tabernacle, only on a grander scale. It had the holy place that was covered in gold throughout, measuring 60 feet long by 30 feet wide by 45 feet high. Behind that was the holies of holies, which was a 30 feet cube, where the ark of the covenant was placed between two golden cherubims. But as with the tabernacle, only the high priest could enter the holies of holies on the day of atonement. So again, Although the temple was a magnificent building, God's presence remained accessible only to the high priest. And that only once a year. So the presence of God was only accessible only to the high priest. And that was once a year. Eventually, Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonian in 586 BC when the Jews were taken off into exile. Although they returned 70 years later and rebuilt the temple, it was a pale shadow of Solomon's temple. Indeed, those who had seen Solomon's temple and then were present when the foundation for the new temple was laid, wept because it fell so far short of what they had remembered. However, by the time that Jesus was born, some 500 years later, the temple had once again become an awe-inspiring structure, even surpassing the grand doors of Solomon's days. But there was one all-important difference. God's presence never filled those temples. For hundreds of years, God's presence had remained absent from the temple. Praise God. Praise God. Now, this was the history of how the presence of God that was common with Adam and Eve became strange to all the people. Previously, when Adam and Eve was there, God could come and relate. Now, it was only the high priest who could see the presence of God. And it was only once a year. The day of the atonement. What a far cry. Now, with this background in place that I have shared with you now. Let us look at John chapter 1 verse 14 again with a fresh eye. John chapter 1 verse 14. Please bring it up. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we behold his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Now, now, now. In fact, if you want to read it in a literal way, you will say, And the world became flesh and tabernacled among us. You remember in the Old Testament, 
It was a tabernacle. Are you hearing me now? That was later translated, became a temple. And in that temple we had the demarcations, the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. And it was only the priest that was permitted to go to the holies of holies, which is the most holy place. Now, this was a different thing, actually. The tabernacle is now in our hearts. Is somebody linking this thing? Have I lost you? Have I lost you? <laughs> okay, okay, let me take it again. Jesus came. The presence of God that was only accessible to the high priest in the day of atonement, which was once a year, Jesus came, who is the presence of God, has now tabernacled among us. Are you getting it now? Now, the temple, the physical tabernacle, was no longer necessary because the presence of God that was in the holies of holies is now with us. That's why he is called what? Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God is now with us. God is no longer in the holies of holies. God is no longer in the most holy place. God is now among us. Glory to God. Hey! Hey! He's no longer separated from us. He's no longer now the only the high priest that was permitted to go there once a year. Now we can assess him the same way Adam and Eve could assess him. The same way Adam and Eve could assess God every day. We now have access to Him every day. Listen, we live in a better time than ever. Jesus is the greatest gift that God had given to humanity. Amen. Amen. He's the greatest gift that God has given to humanity. With Jesus in our life, we now have access to the Father. We have access to God. You no longer need to wait. You no longer need to wait. You now have the direct access to God. This was a far cry from what it was. In the time of the Israelites. But right now, we are back to Eden. Tell somebody we are back to Eden. Can I have those clap? Clap those hands for Jesus. We are back to Eden. We are back to a relationship. We are back to a fellowship. We are back to koinonia. We are back to a time when we have access to God. It's no longer that it's only the high priest that had access to God. The high priest will only go on our behalf. Once a year, no, that time is gone. Now, Jesus is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. We have access to Him, and that is why don't let any pastor or any priest tell you that they are the ones that can assess God on your behalf. Listen, that was not the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to tear down all that. Hello. Are you listening to me right now? 
Jesus came to destroy that order. Don't let anybody take you back. That's why Paul was warning, warning the church. Warning the certain church. He said, don't let anybody take you back to what? To slavery. Jesus came to destroy that system where it was only one person that was permitted to go and assess God on behalf of the people. Now, Emmanuel is with us. With us all the day, all the time. We have access. Direct access. No more intermediary. Glory to God. No more somebody in between that will assess him on your behalf. How many of you know, how many of you know that when a related message is usually start to lose his, his potence along the way? You know, that is why gossip gets worse. Because when I tell my brother that this is what this person told me, when my brother is relating it to the next person, what happened? The message begins to what? Drop in its quality and its authenticity. The message begins to drop. Because the way I will tell it, it's not the way he will tell it to the next person. It's not the way the other person will tell it to the next person. Before the thing go around, the message has lost its value. Jesus said, I don't want anybody to be the one telling you about me. You can come to me directly. Glory to God. God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. We no longer need a high priest. Are you hearing me? If anybody is telling you that they are the one that have access to God and they need to talk to God on your behalf. And you know the funny thing? Some of us still think, think that way. That we need somebody to talk to God on our behalf. No! That was in the Old Testament. That was before. We are past that. Tell somebody, that software has been upgraded. No, no, no. You are not saying it like you mean it. Let's say it with a tech, a tech language. Say that software has been upgraded. How many of you know, if you are using an old software, the tendency that hackers can hack you is very, is very, very... <laughs> the tendency that... A Trojan horses and, and all kind of viruses can corrupt your system is high. Some people are still using the old software where they need somebody to go to God on their behalf. That software has been upgraded. You no longer need anybody. You can now assess God by yourself. Glory to God. Glory to God. You have a direct access to your father. He doesn't even want an intermediary. He wants you. Hold your chest. And say, God wants me. He wants to hear my voice. He doesn't want a priest to go to him on my behalf. He wants me to go to him directly. Shout hallelujah. If I were you, I would rejoice this morning. Glory to God. Amen. Just as God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle and in the temple in the Old Testament, now he has done something far greater. He has taken up residence among us by taking on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ to live among the sinful humanity. Think about it. In the Old Testament, only one person, once a year, could come into the tabernacle of God. And the only 
after elaborate, and this was only after he has elaborately washed himself. He has done all kinds of sacrifice to clean himself before he could assess God. But now, God takes on flesh. And people could walk right up to him and touch him. Talk to him. Interact with him face to face. And yet the vast majority of people who encountered Jesus during his earthly life had no idea they were encountering God that was with them. They had no idea. God was present among them. God was with them. They were touching God. They were relating with God directly. Which they couldn't do before. The average, like I told you, the average Israelite were in the outer courts. They could not even come into the tabernacle. Not to talk of going into the holies of holies. They were outside. The only thing they could see was the cloud of glory that was descending on the temple. And when they saw it, they shouted. But now, God is with us. God is among us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I were you, I would be so excited. Amen. Amen. Now at this point, you may be thinking, that's great for them. But Jesus is no longer walking on the earth. How is God with us? Now that Jesus is gone, would you believe there is something even better than Jesus dwelling with, with his people? So you can imagine the disciples were so excited that Jesus was with them. And that was why when Jesus told them, I am going away, what happened? What happened? They were angry. Hallelujah. When Jesus told them, I am going away, they were angry. They were angry. They said, no, you can't go anywhere. Can you remember the story of Peter? Peter had to tell, he said, nothing, you cannot go anywhere. Nobody, you can, they can't touch you. He said, if anybody did, I, Peter, will kill the person. Amen. Amen. They said, Peter, that Jesus asked, who do men say I am? He said, you are the, you are the God. You are the, and, and suddenly, the same Peter, when, when, he was, when, God, when they were telling him that I would die, he said, no, you cannot die. Amen. He said, you cannot die. And that was why, when they came to arrest Jesus, what happened? Peter brought out his knife. So, he, Peter had a knife. Was ready for battle. That they cannot take Jesus away. And when the guy came, what did he do? He chopped up one of his ears. That Jesus had to take the ear and say, Oga, this is not the kind of spirit I trained you guys now. Jesus took the ear and put it back. Hallelujah. But you see, there was something Jesus told them. He said, don't worry. He said, I will send another. Somebody say another. Now, you know, when they said, I'm going to send another, that means there was one. If I take something from you and say, don't worry, I'm going to give you another one. That means there is, there is one that was with you, and I'm going to replace you with another one. Is that true, right? Is that true? Now, Jesus told the disciples, He said, do not worry that I go. He said, if I don't go, the greater one will not come. So what it means is that there was a greater Jesus that was coming. 
Who is that? The Holy Ghost. Somebody said the Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is Jesus. Now, no longer with us. Jesus now in us. Glory to God. Are you seeing the transition? Jesus came and dwelt among us. God, Emmanuel, God is with us. He was with us. We could relate. We saw him face to face. And when it was time for him to go, he told his disciples, he said, don't worry. Do not be troubled. I am going, but I'm sending another. And this one I'm sending, it's not just going to be physically with you. This one I'm sending, it's not going to be inside you. You know, when it was physical, there was limitation. How many of you know? Jesus could not be every place at the same time. Is that not true? He was limited by the body. He was limited by his flesh. He could not be everywhere. Right now, the Holy Ghost is everywhere. The Holy Ghost is in London. The Holy Ghost is in the U.S. The Holy Ghost is in Asia. The Holy Ghost is in Oweri. He's in Calabar. He's in Abuja. He's even in Lagos here. He's in this church. He's in all the churches that worship him. He's inside you. He's inside billions of people on the earth. That was another way. That I also say that's an upgraded software. Hallelujah. The first software was that Jesus was there. Limited by space. Limited by what? By environment. He was just with 12. Now he's no longer with 12. He's now with billions. Glory to God. He's now with billions. How? Inside you. Inside you. The Holy Ghost is inside you. Who is the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Are you getting this now? Don't get confused. Don't let anybody confuse you. Who is, who is, who is Jesus? God. Who is the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Who is the Holy Ghost again? God. <laughs> the same thing. In different forms. The same thing. The Bible said, look at it. Go to John, 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 John 1.14 again. John 1.14. Please leave it on the, on the screen. John 1.14. Look at it. Hallelujah. He said, and the word became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. That's Jesus. Who is the word? God. God came down. In order to bring man back to the place of communion. In order to bring man back to a place he left in Eden. In Eden, man disobeyed God and was alienated, was separated, was removed from the presence of God. And now, God is saying, I have come to bring you back to where that place you left. To bring you back to Eden, the place of fellowship, the place of koinonia. Glory to God. And how do you assess it? If any man believe with his heart, the Lord Jesus... And confess with his mouth. So, wait, what's the first step? What's the step? First step, everybody. What's the first step? Let me hear you. Can you shout it? So, the first thing is to believe. So, it's not the people that say. And that is why the way all of us are sitting here, it's only you and God that know whether you believe or not. I cannot know. Hello. It's not all the people that say I am. The Bible said on the last day. 
There are some people that say, I am God, and God will be disappointed. Is that not true? God will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I know you not. What it means is that they never believed, but they told us that they believed. You see, you can deceive everybody here. You can deceive your family members, you can deceive your friends, but can you deceive God? Eh? You yourself know if you believe or you don't believe. You cannot deceive anybody. At the end of this message today, I will give you the opportunity to believe. If you are here, you've not had that belief, that conviction. Or you've not had, you've not made, I'm not talking about whether you have come out. How many of you, I gave my, I gave my life to Christ in quotes, more than ten times. <laughs> when I was young, in secondary school, anytime they, they had crusade and, and they threatened us with hell, you know, then it was hell. They tell you, you are going to go to hellfire. Hellfire is coming. They will play hellfire movie. You know, where people are burning in hell, and some of us will be shaking. And then, who are the people that want to give their life to Christ? Everybody will run out. We were not giving our life to Christ because we love Jesus. We were giving our life to Christ because we were afraid of hell. I don't want you to give your life to Christ because you are afraid of hell. It does not last. Because after two weeks, if the hellfire no come, you go back to where you came from. <laughs> that was my story. Amen. I gave my life to Christ more than ten times. Anytime they threaten me, I will run. I say, please, I don't want to go hell. Here I am, Jesus. But did I give my life to Christ? No. Because after two weeks, I go back to my vomits. Until the day I finally made up my mind. Until the day I truly believed. Not because there was a threat of hell. But because I knew that this was the only way to live a meaningful life. Hallelujah. Not because I was afraid that hellfire was coming. No. But because this was the only way to be saved. And when I believed, my life changed. Hallelujah. My life changed. Let me tell you, believing in Jesus is like, you see, I normally give this story and I'm going to give it again. If you have it in a court, hmm, you have been declared guilty. You know you are guilty. And the day of judgment, the judge is going to hit the grapple and say, guilty as charged or discharged and acquitted. And then when all the sentence has been read, Everything has been put there, out there. And you are guilty. And then, somebody just appears. And says, Judge, I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. I have paid with my blood for this one. He's no longer guilty. I paid with my blood. And then after they made that declaration, the only thing that you need to do, they tell you, the judge will not say, okay, we have heard you, but you know, we cannot discharge him until he signs on the paper that he has accepted the payment that you paid for him. That was, that's exactly what giving your life to Christ means. Giving your life to Christ is like signing in the paper that God has prepared for you. It's like signing in the paper and saying, I, have, I am accepting the payments that was made for me. 
that's what giving your life to Christ is about. You are signing on that paper. You are putting your signature down. And you are saying, I have accepted the gifts of salvation. I have accepted the payment for my sin. I am accepting that I am no longer guilty by the reason of the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. Hallelujah. So, how many of you have signed that paper? If you have not signed that paper, I will give you the opportunity at the end of this message to sign. Praise God. Praise God. I want us to read John, John 14 from verse 16 to 17. John 14, quickly, 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 we don't have time. John 14, verse 16 to 17. Hallelujah. Oh, okay, the projector is, is down. Now let's, let's, let, let me read it from here. He said, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor know Him. You know Him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, not only the Holy Spirit will dwell with you, the Holy Spirit is now inside of you. Think about it. In the Old Testament, only one person once a year could come into the presence of God. And then only one tabana, only one elaborate washing rituals and sacrifice. Then the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. But Jesus says that after he departs to be with the Father, he will send the Holy Spirit to be inside of you. We have come a long way from the Garden of Eden. It is no longer now that Jesus... In fact, what we have now is even better than what Adam and Eve had. Are you listening to me? Now, what we have now, unlike Adam and Eve... In fact, what Adam and, the, what Adam and Eve had was what the disciples had. That was God being with them. Is that true? But what we have now is an upgraded version. The upgraded version is that God is now what? Inside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But how is it possible that perfectly holy God can dwell in people who are natural rebellious sinners? That is where the cross came in. The word became flesh by itself. Not enough to reconcile us to God. Instead, it was necessary for the world who had become flesh to live the life of the perfect obedience that God demanded of us. And die a shameful death on the cross as the penalty for our sin and rebellion. Just as it was necessary for the high priest to offer sacrifice for sin to enter the presence of God. Jesus became the great high priest. And instead of offering the blood of bulls and goats, which could never actually take away sin, Jesus offered his own blood as the spotless lamb of God. Through his death, God opened the way for us to enter into the presence and his presence to enter into us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The gift. We're talking about the greatest gifts. God's greatest gifts. That gift is Jesus. The sacrifice. You know in the Old Testament, the, the, most, the, the high priest, what would he do? He would go and sacrifice bulls and goats and rams. Use his, their blood to clean himself before he could enter the holies of holies. Once a year, that's the day of the atonement. Once a year. That was the practice. Now Jesus became that high priest. 
Jesus came and became that high priest. Now, he did not enter into the holies of holies by bulls and rams. He used his own blood. By his own blood, we now have access. Now, his blood was a once and for all sacrifice. No more regular sacrifice that was the pattern on the old. It was once and for all sacrifice. And by this sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary, by that sacrifice, you no longer need any sacrifice. If anybody tells you that they need to sacrifice pigeon, if anybody tells you that they need to sacrifice goat and ram, if anybody tells you that they need to do anything, anything at all, to bring you to a place of holiness, they have failed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By the sacrifice of Jesus, by the sacrifice of Jesus that was done once and for all, you are saved. You are saved. Amen. No more sacrifice needed. Amen. No more sacrifice is required. The sacrifice of Jesus is enough. And by this sacrifice, you have access to God. Every one of us have access to God. You have access to the holies of holies now. Amen. So today we are celebrating this gift. This gift that changed us from dependents to people who have access to God. That's what we are doing today. Yesterday was Christmas. And we are still in the mood of celebration. We are celebrating the gift of Jesus. The greatest gift that God gave. By these gifts, every barrier that stopped us from entering into the presence of God has been removed. By these gifts, we now have a direct access to the Father. We don't need an intermediary. You don't need a pastor to go on your behalf. You don't need a prophet to go on your behalf. You don't need an apostle to go on your behalf. You don't need anybody to stand between you and God. You, 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 you have a direct access to the Father. And not just that. He now lives in you. He lives in the inside of you. And because you have him inside of you, you can communicate to him anytime. You can wake up in the night and talk to your father. You can be walking on the street and talk to your father. You can be eating and you talk to your father. You can, you can be traveling and you talk to your father. You can be driving and you talk to your father. You can be walking on the streets anywhere. You have access. He's inside of you. You don't need to go to any temple. You don't need to go to any mountain. You don't need to go to any special place. He's right there with you. Always with you. Every day. Every time. Even when you are committing that sin, He's there. Right there with you. Even when you are doing that wrong thing, He's there. Right there with you. And you know what He wants? He wants a communion with you. He wants a relationship. That's why he created you in the first place. That's why God created you in the first place. When I started, I told us, what was the reason that God created man? To have fellowship. Because that was the custom in the old. In the old, we had fellowship with God. Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. God always came down and had fellowship with him. Today, God needs that fellowship. And that's why he's inside of you. Relate with him. Talk to him. Tell him your needs. Tell him how you feel. Worship him. Praise Him from your lips to God's ear. He is with you. Can we be on our feet this morning? Let's be on our feet this morning. Hallelujah. Just begin to thank Him for the gift of Jesus.
begin to appreciate God for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. By this sacrifice we have access. This sacrifice has opened us up into the things of God. Thank Him for the sacrifice of Jesus. We are grateful for your sacrifice, Lord. We are grateful for giving your life. We are grateful. We are grateful. Appreciate Him, appreciate Him, appreciate Him. Appreciate Him. Let heaven hear you this morning. Say, Lord, I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are grateful, Lord, that you came. You removed us from a place where we could not have access to you. And you brought us into a place where you now live inside us. And with you inside us, we can now relate with you. We can communicate with you. We can talk to you as one, talk to, to his neighbor. We can, we can hear you. We can talk to you. Thank him, thank him. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Worship him this morning. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? Where are you, Jesus? Where are you? We sing.
I just want to give you the opportunity this time. If you have not made that decision in your heart before now, you have not believed. Like I said, the Bible said, with the heart a man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you have never, you have never really believed. You go to church, yes. But you have never really believed in your heart. And today you have heard the message. And you say, Jesus, I want to. See, don't, don't let anybody, don't let anything influence you. I'm not trying, I'm, I'm, I, I don't get any, any satisfaction if it does come out. No, no, that's not the whole. I don't want to count numbers, no. I, it's something you must make a decision on your own. I'm not interested in numbers coming out. Mm -mm. I'm interested in people who really make that decision. If you have not made that decision in your heart to believe in Jesus, to sign that, that acceptance contract of forgiveness, to say, Jesus, today I sign that I am your child. My sins are forgiven. If you have not made that commitment, wherever you are, just lift up your hands. I, I don't need to call you out. I just want you to lift your hands. If you have not made that commitment, and you want to make that commitment today, just lift your hands wherever you are. If you have not done that, and you want to do that, lift your hands wherever you are. Lift your hands. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for everyone that is yet to make up their mind. Everyone that is yet to make this decision, to sign that contract and say, I accept you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have an encounter with them. That they will come to that conclusion. They will come to that point of belief. And as they believe, they will make their confession with their mouth. And they will be granted access to your, to your, to your, to your presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for the gift of Jesus. We want to thank you because Jesus came so that we can have life. Jesus came so that we can have access to God. Access to the Father. And we want to thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost that is now resident in our lives. The Holy Ghost that now lives in the inside of us. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. And today we declare, by, the, by this Holy Ghost inside us, by the Spirit of God that is inside us, we will live the life of Jesus on the earth. We will glorify Jesus on the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ. We declare that the life of Jesus permeates in everything we do. In our work, in our business, in our family, in our school, in our academics, in our career, in our job. Anywhere we do, anywhere we go, whatever we do, Jesus is seen. That through us, others will come to know Jesus. That through us, others will come to accept Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you for the gift, the greatest gift ever. Thank you because this gift has brought us into the holies of holies. Glory to God. Thank you because by this gift, we have access to the Father. We give you praise, Lord. I declare right now, over you right now, and I declare healing. If there's anyone sick in, the, in, your, in their bodies right now, receive the healing of the Spirit of God. 
The Bible said, This sign shall follow them that believe. Because I believe, I declare that you are healed. You are healed in your bodies. You are healed in your mind. You are healed in your mind. In the name of Jesus Christ. Sickness has no place in you. Therefore, I ask sickness to live now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I declare over you that the remaining part of the year, we just have few days, about five days, and this year will be over. It is not late for God to still do that miracle. The God of the 11th hour, He can change your situation within a tickle of an eyes. A second is enough for God to turn it around. I declare right now that He will turn it around for you. Before this year run out, you will receive your miracle. Are you hearing me? I said before this year run out, your miracle will come. Let me hear a shout of Amen! Before it is 31st of December, your miracle will still come. It is not over until God says so. Therefore I declare the day, the remaining days of this year will become the days of miracle. Will become your days of breakthrough. Will become your days of surprises. Will become your days of supernatural encounter. In the name of Jesus. The God of miracle will work miracles for you. Receive it now. Receive it now. Receive it now. So I begin to declare, I receive it. I receive it. I receive my miracle. Before the end of this year, I receive my miracles. I receive my miracle. I receive my breakthrough. I receive my breakthrough. If there's anything you've been asking God for, begin to declare. I receive it. I receive it. Before the end of the year, my healing is permanent. Before the end of the year, I receive it. That breakthrough. That financial breakthrough. That financial breakthrough. That miracle. I receive it before the end of the year. It is mine. 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 In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It is done. In Jesus' mighty name.